On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we recap the Terps' last two weeks, including a weekend series win here in College Park against the Stetson Hatters. Plus, we pick a Terp of the week and play another round of fair or foul. In the middle, Connor has a conversation with sophomore left-hand pitcher Tyler Blome, and at the end, we preview the Terps' upcoming midweek game against Richmond and Big Ten opening series against Northwestern. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Justin Galanti. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 50 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. As you heard, I'm Justin Galanti, joined again by Connor Newcomb. Connor, we hit the big 5-0. How about that? Yeah, halfway to 100 podcasts. Here's to... 50 more incredible episodes of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. So we have a lot to recap as last week due to some timing and other circumstances. We didn't have a podcast during the North Carolina trip. So we're going to recap that and the past week for the Terps. So starting down in North Carolina, the Terps got swept by number 18 ECU. It wasn't a great weekend. There wasn't a lot of scoring. Four nothing losses on Friday and Sunday and an 18 to four loss sandwiched in between on Saturday. Then in the midweek, the Terps got blown out by North Carolina, but picked up a good win on Wednesday against Elon. So while the week started pretty rough, it was a good win on Wednesday for Maryland. And to start with that Elon game, we'll highlight it. They found Mike Vastoria to start that Wednesday game. He went two scoreless, and the pitching was really good that day. And the offense did a really good job. Marty Costas looked like he was starting to break out. A.J. Lee had a big game, and a bunch of guys just had big hits, especially with two outs and men in scoring position. Yeah, the Terps were really able to, first of all, string together one of those bullpen games. As you said, Mike Vastoria getting the start. Goes two innings, gives up nothing. Then you get Zollner for an inning, Fisher for an inning, Burleson for an inning, and then Biondic and Murphy for two innings each in that one. And the Terps were really able to go out there and use all of their best bullpen guys at the end, going with Fisher, Burleson, Biondic, and Murphy to end the game. And I think that was a good strategy at the end, Biondic for two innings and then Murphy for two innings, really showcasing the two best arms in this Maryland bullpen. And they got the job done. Neither of them allowed a run. They combined for eight strikeouts in those four innings. So Maryland really got to show off the arms. And as you said, the bats kind of finally came alive after being very quiet the first four games of the trip there in North Carolina. A couple of hits from Tommy Gardner, a couple from Kevin Biondic, and a couple from Marty Costas as well, and a bunch more hits scattered along in that 11-run output against Elon. Tuesday, the North Carolina game didn't go well, and it kind of followed the same pattern as the ECU series. Tyler Blom had a rough start on Saturday against ECU. Mark DeLuya really struggled against North Carolina. But, look, these are probably two top 25 teams that we're going to see the rest of the year. So how much stock can you put in struggling? You don't really know. Hunter Parsons gave the Terps a good start on Sunday. Taylor Bloom was good on Friday. But I think the real thing was the offensive struggles that we've kind of been seeing all season manifested themselves in those four games. Yeah, Saturday's game was kind of a throwaway game. You don't think about that when a team scores 18, whatever. But Friday and Sunday, you get those two good starts from Bloom and especially Parsons on Sunday. And the Terps offense just could not score at all. Obviously shut out through 18 innings in those two games. And I mean, 
four runs given up to ECU, a top 25 team in those two games. You're hoping you can win at least one of those games and get something going offensively. I know ECU has one of the best starting rotations in the country, but the Terps, you got to scrape across something in that game to get it going, and the Terps just couldn't do it in either that Friday or Sunday game and didn't really set them up well going forward as they had to bounce back and play UNC right after that. But then the offense finally started to kick in with Elon, and it kind of led into this weekend. Yeah, this weekend Maryland took on Stetson, who – Came in boasting an impressive 18-3 and record, yet they hadn't played a game on the road. They led the country in ERA and whip fourth in the country in strikeouts per nine. So it was a pretty tough test. And on Friday, one of the best pitchers in the country, Logan Gilbert, shut down Maryland a little bit. He went eight and a third, struck out 10. Maryland lost the game 12-3. And Taylor Bloom really struggled over six and two-thirds, 10 hits and seven runs, five of them earned. And it has kind of... It kind of continued a stretch of Bloom struggling at home. He's been really good on the road, but his three home starts against Army, Bryant, and now Stetson have been a little rough. So that was kind of some cause for concern coming out of that game. But then the Terps win on Saturday and Sunday, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But look, on Friday, Logan Gilbert's pitching. The guy's going to be a top 15 pick in the draft. You lose that game, you lose that game. And then you're really impressed with the way, the way Maryland came back on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, and Gilbert had his longest start of the season, eight and third, struck out ten. I mean, the Terps' offense couldn't really get anything going, and you kind of it's kind of like that game against on Saturday last weekend against ECU. You kind of just put it in the rearview mirror and you move on, and then you get Tyler Bloom out there, and honestly, he gives the Terps the best start of his career. He puts up 12 strikeouts over a career high eight innings and walks just one. The only run he gave up in that one was unearned, and the lefty was just phenomenal on Saturday. Yeah, I totally agree. It was the best start of Blom's career. Eight innings, as you said, four hits, 12 strikeouts, the one walk, and we've talked a lot about Blom struggling with his pitch count, getting up high in terms of pitches early in games and having to come out, but he threw less than 100 pitches over eight innings, which might have been the best sign out of this game, and his breaking ball was so, so good, by far the best we've ever seen it, and coming off the struggle against ECU, this was as good of a sign as you could have for Maryland. Yeah, and the best thing about the curveball, I talked to Terps pitching coach Corey Muscara before the game Sunday talking about Bloom's start on Saturday and he was talking about something that Bloom also talked about after the game Saturday was how you know his curveball he usually has trust in it that he can use it as a strikeout pitch with two strikes throw it in the dirt get guys to chase but what made him so good on Saturday is he said he was able to throw that curveball over for a first pitch strike and when he's got a big 12-6 curveball like Bloom does sometimes it can be tough to throw it consistently into the strike zone it's used more as a strikeout pitch or a chase pitch but Bloom was able to get it over on the first pitch. He was throwing that curveball in 2-1 counts, 1-0 counts, getting it over for the first strike. He had so much command of it that it was keeping the Stetson hitters completely off balance. And then when he was able to use it to put guys away, it also allowed him to go to the fastball with two strikes, not just the curveball all, all day. The Stetson hitters were way off balance, and he was just mowing them down. Offensively, the Terps were aided by Stetson starter Jack Perkins, who was just hitting everybody in the third inning he hit four batters including three in a row the turf scored three runs in that inning but Nick Dunn continued his hot streak that's lasted the entire season he was two for four had an RBI but the Terps got two hits and an RBI out of Marty Costas Zach Jankarski had two hits and two RBIs after moving being moved down from the leadoff spot to the sp to the sixth spot in the order, excuse me. And Costas and Jankarski are guys that had great years for Maryland last year, were two of the reasons that they got to a regional and as far as they did in the Big Ten. And if those guys can continue their hot hitting, that's obviously huge for this team. 
Yeah, Jankarski starting to heat up a little bit, but especially Costas in the middle, back into the middle of the order now. He's working on a seven-game on-base streak now for the Terps, and he was really squaring balls up. Even against Logan Gilbert on Friday, he had a couple of hits and then really started to square guys up, especially against Jack Perkins, the starter for Stetson on Saturday, who really struggled, just went four and a third and gave up four earned runs in that one as they had to turn it over to the bullpen. But if Costas gets going, it's going to be a great thing for the Maryland offense. But that third inning of that game against Stetson on Saturday was just unbelievable. Four hit by pitches from Perkins. You and I said it on the broadcast, something we had probably never seen before in a game, including three consecutive hit by pitches when Bionic, Jankarski, and Chikoffer all got up there and were hit by a pitch. Jankarski and Chikoffer, both with the bases loaded. Perkins was kind of just handing Maryland a couple runs, but they took advantage and the pitching was great in the, even the series. Then on Sunday in the rubber game, it was a classic pitcher's duel, a 2 nothing Terps win. Mitchell Sanger started for Stetson. He's a guy who had an ERA under two coming in, had already thrown a no-hitter this season. He pitched a complete game, eight innings, five hits, two runs, one earned, and struck out ten. But Hunter Parsons outpitched him, and Parsons continues his hot stretch, but he had the best start of his career right off the back of the best start of Tyler Blome's career. Parsons, a complete game, two-hit shutout, didn't walk anyone, struck out a career-high nine, and really just an incredible performance that has netted Hunter Parsons, co-Big Ten pitcher of the week. He was outstanding. It's now back-to-back home starts with complete games for Hunter, and you just can't say enough about how good he's been. Yeah, he continues to build on every start. You talked about his last home start against Bryant when he went the full nine innings. He did give up three runs, though, and then he went back out there against ECU, pitched seven strong innings in that one, and then right back out Sunday against Stetson. He was just completely dominant. He really started the game using the ground ball, that diving fast ball that he has got a lot of ground balls of the first seven hitters he retired six of them were via ground ball outs he was getting the ball on the ground and then as the game started to progress along guys were kind of laying off that low fastball so he went to the breaking ball and got a lot more strikeouts which allowed him to get those nine career high strikeouts but I think the big part about the ground ball was he was getting soft outs early in the counts which means his pitch count was very low and as he continued to roll through that game Corey Muscara says he wants those pitchers to go out there and they're going to throw 105 pitches really no matter what. He just wants them to get through however far they can in the game with 105 pitches. Parsons didn't even hit that 105 mark in nine innings. He was so efficient with his pitches on Sunday. Yeah, over his last four starts, Parsons has now thrown 32 innings, struck out 23, only walked three. His ERA is 0.84. The batting average against is 188, and he's thrown two complete games. He's the only pitcher in the Big Ten so far this season that's hurled two complete games. So he has obviously been incredible, and Maryland wins this series against a really, really good Stetson team, and after Friday losing to Gilbert, you're a little worried. Maryland's two games under 500. If you lose one more game, you lose another home series, and, you know, then what happens, but the Terps come back with two really good wins, probably the best two pitching performances that we've seen this season. The RPI, which is a, it's a little early to look at, but the Terps moved all the way up to number 49 in the RPI. That is a 70 spot jump this week from the mid 100. So that's obviously huge for Maryland. And to win this series, I think, sets you up in a nice spot before you start Big Ten play next week. Yeah, Stetson's a good team. Now, they played kind of a weak schedule. We talked about their first 21 games at home in DeLand, Florida, but still a good team with a very good pitching staff. We talked about on the weekend, statistically, maybe the best in the country, that Stetson pitching staff. But the Terps get two big wins over the Hatters, and you love to see that RPI jump, but now the Terps what we'll talk about a little bit later. After the one game against Richmond on the road, they jump right into Big Ten play with Northwestern, and it's a Big Ten conference that it's a little bit top-heavy. You've got 
Indiana at the top looking like a very good team, and Illinois starting to come into its own as well this season. But other than that, it seems to be the Big Ten is very wide open for anybody to take control. And if the Terps can get some pitching outings like they got from Parsons and Bloom over the weekend, it could be the Terps' Big Ten to win this season. Yeah, this was the start of Big Ten play this weekend. Maryland and two other schools had an off week, but a bunch of teams got started in conference play. And as you said, Illinois on a hot stretch right now. They swept Northwestern. They are 15-5, and five, moved up to number 25 in the country in this week's rankings. Michigan swept Michigan State, and after a really rough start to the season, 4-11, and 11, the Wolverines are on an eight-game win streak. They are now 12-11. and 11. Minnesota took two of three from Nebraska. Rutgers took two of three from Penn State, and Indiana and Iowa only played two games because of weather, and they split one and one. Ohio State, Maryland, and Purdue all played out of conference. The Buckeyes are playing well right now. They are 16-7. and seven. Michigan State, Northwestern, Penn State seem to be the teams at the bottom of the league. And then at the top right now, you have Illinois and Indiana, the only teams ranked in the top 25. So some opportunities for Maryland coming up. You have the hot Michigan team as well, a really good Minnesota team. Maybe Rutgers has improved this season. But certainly there are going to be a bunch of chances for the Terps to get big wins as Big Ten play uh, goes along. So after this week where Maryland went 3-2, and two, two wins against Stetson, one against Elon, and the two losses against UNC and Stetson, we will pick our Terp of the Week as we always do. And Connor, I'll give you the first choice on this one. I mean, it's got to be a little tough. You look at the two starting pitchers Saturday or Sunday. I feel like I've given this nod to Hunter Parsons a couple times in the last couple weeks because he's just gotten so much better every week that I'm going to give the nod to Tyler Blome for his start on Saturday. Just absolutely dominant. The eight innings as we talked about, four hits, 12 Ks, a career high, and just one walk. The curveball was working so effectively, and it's we saw the stuff we saw at times from him last year for Blome, but I, I really point to his start in the Big Ten tournament he had last year where his previous career high was 10 strikeouts. He did it in just five innings because the pitch count got so high that he could only work through five, maybe six last year, and that was about it. But the real change I've seen in Tyler Blome is, as you talked about, the pitch count is down. He's being more efficient getting guys out. He's being more efficient with his strikeouts. You know, he's not getting into three, two counts, battling and then getting Ks. He's attacking guys and really getting them out quickly. That allowed him to get through eight innings and that's why he's my Terp of the Week. Yeah, I was just going to go with whichever starting pitcher you didn't. So you go with Blome. I go with Parsons. It was the first complete shutout, complete game shutout, excuse me, for Maryland since Brian Schaefer in the Big Ten tournament against Indiana two years ago. And Parsons was absolutely dominant. Nobody got past first base for Stetson. It just didn't look like there was a chance they would score the whole day. It was one of the most dominating starts you will ever see in the college game. It got Maryland a series win. So Hunter Parsons is my Terp of the Week. Tyler Blome is your Terp of the Week. But I don't think you can go wrong uh, choosing either of those guys. Now it's time to play Fair or Foul, our favorite game. We have four propositions this week. Our first one Maryland should consider mixing up the weekend rotation. Six weeks into the season now, it's gone Taylor Bloom on Fridays, Tyler Blome on Saturdays, Hunter Parsons on Sundays, all six weeks. Now the question, with Parsons pitching so well and Blome coming off a fantastic start, should the Terps consider mixing up what they do on the weekends? I'm going to say foul. And first of all, Taylor Bloom, despite his struggles at home, has still been great on the road. We saw it that first start against Tennessee is absolutely dominant in that when he's been able to get deep into games as well 
I think the reason I like Bloom on Fridays, even if he's maybe not pitching with his best stuff, you know that, I mean, he threw six and two-thirds on Friday against Stetson. That was on the low side of his inning count for a start this season. You know he's going to get you through seven, maybe get you through eight. And even if he gives up three, four, maybe five earned runs, even if you don't win the game, you're not really going to tax the bullpen on a Friday night. And then you also have the chance you get the good Taylor Bloom we saw against Tennessee. We've seen a couple times this season. So on Friday night, you go out there, he gets you through seven or eight innings, and the bullpen's not used, and you hope the offense can get you the win. Then you move on to Saturday and Sunday. You got Blome going Saturday. If he looks anything close to like he looks Saturday against Stetson, he's going to be great. And look, the way Hunter Parsons is pitching right now on Sundays, there's not going to be a Big Ten starter on a Sunday that's going to match up and is going to be better than Hunter Parsons in that Game 3 matchup of a series. So I think right now what the Terps are doing on the weekend, I think it's still going to work for them going into conference play. I agree. I'm going to say a foul statement, and it's a great point you make about regardless of how good Bloom is, he's going to give you innings and set up uh, the bullpen for the weekend if you need it. Maryland didn't really need it this weekend, but Bloom leads the Big Ten in innings pitched this season. He's number five among active pitchers in all of college baseball in innings pitch. So he's a guy you can rely on every Friday to give you at least six, somewhere around there, seven, eight, maybe even nine sometimes. And look, while tradition says throw your best guy on Friday because the other team's going to do that, if you can win a series, it really doesn't matter which games you win. So this weekend, Maryland loses on Friday, but wins Saturday and Sunday. You win the series. What does it matter if you win on Saturday and Sunday? And like you said, if Blom's going to pitch how he does, how he did on Saturday the rest of the year, and Parsons continues to pitch as well as he has, there will not be a Saturday starter as good as Tyler Blom. There will not be a, Saturday, a Sunday starter as good as Hunter Parsons in the Big Ten. And if you can take at least two out of three in every series, you're sitting pretty good if you're Maryland. So I'm going to agree with you and say foul statement. Let's not mix things up right now. Don't do anything to try and maybe mess up what's going on with as well as Blom pitched on Saturday and the way Hunter's been pitching his last couple starts. Yeah, and you, and you talked about you talked about the this with me after the game yesterday, you know, Around college baseball, it's just kind of a consensus. You pitch your guy who's pitching the best on Friday, and then it kind of works like that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's surprising that, as far as we know, nobody's really tried to change that up, and I think it could be something the Terps could do. Hey, if this is the way the guys are pitching for the rest of the season and maybe Hunter Parsons is looking like Maryland's best starter and then you have Bloom right behind him and Bloom, maybe even if Bloom's the third best starter, if he's going eight innings, giving up three, four runs every day, I'll take that every single game. So, Maybe you switch it up like this. You send Bloom out there, your bulldog on Friday. You hope for the win. If you don't get it, you send out two guys who are really dominating Saturday and Sunday, and you look to win the series, and you kind of flip the script on what a lot of college baseball teams have been doing for a long time, and maybe it works for the Terps. Yeah, I mean, when at the end of the season, when the committee that chooses the teams in the NCAA tournament looks at things, they don't say, oh, you were 3-7 and seven on Fridays, and you won all your Sunday games. It doesn't work that way. It's winning games, so... You know, whichever days Maryland can win, they should win, and not matter what day of the week it is, and if you put together a good record, you put together a good record. Statement number two in Farafal, with all the ups and downs to start the season, the 2-3 of three at Tennessee, winning the Coastal game and going 4-0 that week, losing a home series to Army, really struggling down in North Carolina, winning this weekend series against Stetson. Maryland's 12-12 and 12 right now. The RPI is 49. They have a midweek Tuesday against Richmond. So the statement is Maryland is in a position that is just fine going into Big Ten play. I'm going to say that's fair going into Big Ten play. I think a position that's fine 
for the rest of the season is really going to depend on these next four games that we're going to preview in a little bit. Richmond, a team that the Terps have a good chance to get a win over if they can kind of get the midweek pitching together. And I think it's a big series against Northwestern because Northwestern really in that kind of bottom quadrant of Big Ten teams this year as they were last year in the Terps. Northwestern came in here and took two of three from the Terps at the end of last season. It's a big chance for the Terps at home this upcoming weekend to get two out of three, maybe get a sweep over a Wildcats team, start Big Ten, play well. And if you start with a winning record in the Big Ten, you flip the script, you get back over 500 overall. I think the Terps will be in a fine position. I think going into Big Ten play, I think they're okay, especially how they finished non-conference play, at least on the weekend. Obviously, one more game with Richmond before Big Ten play starts. But I think this weekend will also be key as well. I agree. I think it's a fair statement. And Look, regardless of everything that's happened this season, not saying it's going to happen, but if Maryland goes, whatever it is, 23-0 in the Big Ten, nothing that happened prior to this matters. But, yeah, I think Maryland's in a just fine position going into Big Ten play. I think the point you make is strong that Northwestern's a series they need to win, maybe even sweep at home. Something Maryland did last year that made them so good was the teams that were at the bottom of the Big Ten, they swept Penn State. Rutgers they got the job done in those series especially when they were at home Rutgers was on the road Penn State was at home but Northwestern by all appearances is not that good this year and when Maryland's at home playing against this team you know this is a series you feel like you should and really want uh, to sweep statement number three of fair or foul Maryland's got two aces in the bullpen this season Kevin Biondic and John Murphy those two guys basically because of the way games have shaken out whether it's a really long pitching performance from a Maryland starter or losing the game and getting blown out those guys have not been pitching much Kevin Biondic and John Murphy have each only pitched twice in the last two weeks so the statement here by some form or another whether it's like bringing a guy in in the third inning of a midweek game or something like that Maryland needs to find a way to get Kevin Kevin Biondic excuse me and John Murphy in more games I think that's fair, but I don't know if you want to completely force them into games where they don't need to be, especially in maybe a game if you have another game like UNC where it's 13-1. to You don't really need to force them into a game. But I do think it's fair that the Terps need to maybe find some better ways to get them into the ball games. And I kind of like what you said there. I mean, John Murphy, he came to Maryland as a starter. He got a start last season in the midweek before he kind of turned into one of the bullpen aces for the Terps, and then obviously into the closer this season. I could see the Terps in a midweek game if they're trying to play a bullpen game. You know, a guy like Fasturia, a guy like Deluya gives you two, three. You know, maybe with Deluya he gives you four or five innings. I could see the Terps slotting Kevin Bionic right there after five innings, giving him two innings, then Murphy two innings. Or if you have a guy like Vasturia out there, maybe he gives you two clean, solid innings. If you can throw Murphy in there for two or three and Bionic for two, you're setting yourself up in a good place, especially in a midweek, because you think the Maryland offense against some of these midweek teams they're going to play shortly, William and Mary, Richmond, James Madison, should be able to get to that other team's bullpen and put some runs up in the middle innings to where in the ninth inning you aren't just up by one run or two runs and you can throw another bullpen arm out there to get a win. And I do think it's nice to have Kevin Bionic come in on Saturday up 6-1, to one, a clean ninth inning, don't have to worry about anything and you get the win, but... You'd like to see him coming in when games are really on the line in the sixth inning in a key spot of the game. I'd like to see a guy like Murphy or Biondic in there. Yeah, I think it's definitely a fair statement that these guys need to get in more games. And what we saw against Elon for Maryland was they got five innings out of Vastoria and Zollner and some other guys. 
Then six and seven were Kevin Biondix, eight and nine were John Murphy's. And before the game, Rob Vaughn said, no, no matter what happens, these guys are getting in the game. And then they were both available all weekend. When you have pitchers as good as these guys, look, things are going to happen on the weekend where you're going to get a really long start or you're going to get blown out and these guys don't get in the game. But when you have midweek games, if you're Maryland, I don't think you can leave these games without your best two relievers pitching and lose the game. I just don't think you can. So, you know, sometimes it might be a situation where you say, give Biondic the third and the fourth, give Murphy the fifth and the sixth, depending on the score or something, get those two guys in the game, hope you get 12 scoreless outs out of them, which has been the case more often than not this season, and then figure things out later. But these guys need to get in games, and I don't think Maryland can afford to you know, keep going these long stretches without throwing maybe their best two pitchers on the staff, at least the best two in the bullpen. So I know the games recently have not dictated these guys getting in the game. Like Saturday, Blom goes eight, and you go give Biondic one inning, but you're up five runs. I mean, it's not that big a deal. Then you get the complete game on Sunday from Hunter Parsons, which is great, but I think Maryland definitely needs to find a way to get these guys in more games. And I think it's a good spot Tuesday against Richmond to do that where, you know, we could see if we see DeLuya start in that game, you know, if he gives you two or three maybe good innings, it's a good spot because you get a Tuesday midweek game instead of a Wednesday midweek game. So it's two full days off before the series starts Friday against Northwestern. And a guy in Kevin Biondic who threw, I believe, eight or nine pitches on Saturday in a clean ninth inning. And John Murphy, who didn't even pitch this weekend, so a guy in Murphy, you, you have to think Rob Vaughn's going to get him into the game one way or another Tuesday against Richmond, and maybe he stretches him out two, maybe three innings, and you'll have Bionic available. He gets one or two innings, and then with the two days off, they will easily be rested for the weekend against Northwestern. So I think if the Terps can get a couple of guys, you know, maybe a start from Deluya and a couple of guys like Vaster or Zollner getting them through maybe four innings against Richmond, we could see Murphy and Bionic just finish out the rest of the game, and I think that will be a good recipe for the Terps. And the other thing is about not getting them in on the weekends. If the Terps are getting starts like these on the weekends, eight from Blome, nine from Parsons, I think that sets them up really well for a place they've struggled pitching-wise in the midweek right. because you can really stretch out Biondic and Murphy in the midweek then. That's really your two best pitchers after your three starters. So if you can just use them, you can throw in a Deluya, a Vasturia, a Zollner who can get you an inning scoreless maybe at a time in those places. You can set yourselves up much better to win the midweek games. And something we see a lot in Major League Baseball right now is teams in the playoffs, especially shortening games from the back end. And if you're Maryland and you're deciding we're getting four innings, which is 12 outs somewhere from Murphy and beyond, you're shortening games, and I think it definitely gives you a better chance to win. Our final statement, fair or foul this week, after going two scoreless starting against Elon on Wednesday and pitching a scoreless eighth inning against North Carolina on Tuesday, Mike Vastoria deserves another midweek start. I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I don't know how long they can stretch him out. We haven't really seen him get stretched out yet. The difference between him and Deluya is we've seen Deluya been able to get further into a game, even coming out of the bullpen. We've seen him work almost four innings in a bullpen stint this season. So with Vasturia, we saw a good two innings. He was scoreless, and the Terps ended up winning the game against Elon. I'd like to see that again, and I think that's another situation where if you get a situation like this week again or the next couple weeks where they have midweeks against William & Mary and James Madison and teams like that, 
If it sets you up where you can get Vasturia two scoreless, maybe you can stretch him to three scoreless, and you have those guys like Bionic and Murphy ready, you can win a ball game in the midweek giving up just a couple of runs, and you hope the offense gets it going. So I'd like to see Vasturia get another start. If not, I'd like to see him play a big role in these midweek games because I think he pitched well against Elon. It should give him confidence going forward. Vastoria this season has made seven appearances. He's gone nine and two-thirds innings, and his ERA is 0.93. I think this is a somewhat fair statement, but I also think that not this week. I, like it, I don't think it's fair to give up on a guy like Mark Deluia after a midweek start where he struggled against North Carolina. Like, for being honest, North Carolina is a whole heck of a lot better than Elon. So it's I think it's unfair to say Matt, Mike Vastori is your guy after pitching against Elon, and I think it's unfair to say Mark Deluia is not your guy after pitching against North Carolina. But Deluia did struggle in two starts against Delaware a little bit off to, after his really good start against VCU. So I'm going to say – if things keep progressing the way they are, then give Mike Vastori another midweek start. But for now, I think you stick with DeLuya and at least give him this start Tuesday against Richmond. Yeah, and I think Mark DeLuya still has a lot he can give to this Terps team. Look, it's his freshman year. If you look just at the stats, it's not very pretty. The 8.59 ERA in 22 innings, 3.78 batting average against. He served up five home runs, but he's got 20 strikeouts in 22 innings, just nine walks. He's got the stuff. There's a reason he was drafted out of high school last summer was DeLuya. So he's got the stuff, and maybe it's just going to take him a little bit to put it together. You know, he's only a couple months into his college career, but I think Mark DeLuya is going to be a big piece of the Terps going forward even over the next couple of years, and obviously Rob Vaughn hopes he's going to develop into a weekend starter for the Terps at some point, but I think if he can get this confidence going in the midweek, I think DeLuya has the stuff to where at some point, Hopefully this season, the Terps can really have four starters that can get them fairly deep into ball games. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, we both say that's kind of a fair statement, but for now you stick with Mark DeLuya as your midweek starter. Well, so far in this podcast, we've talked at length about the outstanding start that Maryland got from Tyler Blome on Saturday, and Tyler and Connor sat down a little bit earlier to talk about how Blome is developing as a sophomore after winning the Big Ten Freshman of the Year last year. So here's that conversation. Blome set. The 0-2. Swing and a miss. Strike three. He went too far around. Morris comes up with it. Throws on to first. And Tyler Blome has set a new career high with 11 strikeouts as he's through seven innings. Tyler, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And first of all, congrats on your career start on Saturday against Stetson Hatters. 12 strikeouts, a career high, also a career high, eight innings. First of all, I think for you last season, obviously freshman of the year in the Big Ten, but weren't really able to get very deep into a lot of starts because of pitch count. What's kind of changed this year to help you keep the pitch count down so you were able to get through those eight innings? Yeah, I think it's uh, overall my mentality for this year. It's been a lot different. Last year I was more focused on overall the result of what my start would be and, like, you know, everybody thinks about the seven innings, you know, two runs or less or something like that. Like, that's the, that's what I focused on going out there. But now, like, when I walk out to the mound, it's just one pitch at a time, and that's what I try and go as. And then, obviously, the 12 strikeouts, also a career high for you. You previous career high was 10 in the Big Ten tournament last year. You get 12 on Saturday. It obviously, from afar, looked like it was just the curveball working a lot. But what were you really able to do out there to strike out 12 guys in eight innings? Yeah, I think uh, – we talk a lot about the curveball for the swing and miss pitch, but I think uh, the, the most important thing is to throw it as a strike. You know, there's a lot of guys who can spike a curveball in the dirt for strike three, but I think the hardest thing is to set up a hitter by throwing it first pitch for a strike 
been like mixing in in and out pitches, fastball in and out, changeup, and uh, I mean, I'd say the biggest thing was throwing that curveball for a strike. That's the thing I've had the most trouble with because we throw it for strike one and I'd spike and I'd already be behind one zero. So I think uh, you know getting that for a strike and then working my fastball in and out was the biggest success. And now, how much confidence do you have in that curveball? Because I saw you throw it a couple times, maybe one zero two one in the count on Saturday to stay in counts against hitters. Yeah, I mean it, it came a lot from. Uh, Working midweek in the bullpen and stuff, I I was you know clearly frustrated with the last start and uh, it's just the curveball hasn't been there, but it was there all spring and all fall and it just was kind of frustrating for me going through those hardships and uh, you know me and Moose worked on he talked about changing the grip a little bit and that's that kind of like you know worried me a little bit because I've had this pretty good curveball the rest of my my whole life and uh, you know I'm hearing him saying change the grip and stuff but. Uh, what we did is we just moved it down the seam a little bit and moved it more like so I'd feel it on my fingertips instead of in my palm. Because like when I felt it in my palm, I was spiking, you know, like crazy. And uh, when I felt it more in my fingertips, it was more for a strike and to get the feel of the 12-6 uh, the to six action. And now I talked to your pitching coach, Corey Muscara, before the game on Sunday after your big start on Saturday. And he kind of highlighted the changeup as well. You know, a lot of pitchers can come in with a fastball, curveball, any kind of fastball, breaking ball. But he said... The, the changeup was kind of the equalizer for you this season. How was that working Saturday, and how have you kind of built that into the repertoire this season? Yeah, that's been, the changeup has been awesome for me because last year I think one of the reasons I didn't go so deep in the games is because I was mainly a fastball curveball guy. And when I would go out to the mound and I didn't have that curveball, you know, you kind of looked at me like, oh, my God, like how is he going to get through this game? You know, this is going to be short. But, uh, I mean, on days that the curveball isn't as consistent, I can rely on that changeup. And, uh, you know, working the fastball in and out, like working the fastball in a lot, you know, get the hitters off the plate and then just throw that change up away. I mean, it's just it's, – it's, really, it's been really good this year. And you talked about Moose a little bit, obviously, your new pitching coach this year and just your second year. How has he helped you and how has he really helped this entire pitching staff develop? I think more of like a, uh, like a mental type thing and like a lot of more – a lot more pitchers have confidence and stuff. I mean, he, he treats every player like he's the next Cy Young. And I think that's, that's so important for guys because – you know, guys can somehow feel like feel a little bit that they're not as important to the staff and stuff. But you know, he he makes sure a really good job is like making sure they're they're just as important as like the best guy on our staff. And uh, I mean, I think when we go out to the mound, it's more we have confidence in our stuff. And uh, as opposed to last year, when like it would be less confidence, you walk out there and you kind of you know what's going to happen. You know, you're focused on the result. But I mean, when you're focused on the next pitch and not you know the pitches before, it helps a lot. And Coach Muscara, he's so intense about really having his pitchers yeah. develop. Has he done anything a little bit crazy with you or the other pitchers to try and get them in the right mindset? Or how has that kind of worked out with him? Because the results are paying off with you, Hunter Parsons, guys are really developing this year. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say he uh, he does this thing. <laughs> he loves to do this thing called gallery pens. So, like, the guy would step up to the bullpen, throw his pen, and we'd have our whole team yelling and screaming at him. And this, I think that's – interesting tactic to use to say the least uh it's a lot of fun for us it keeps it loose and uh you know it prepares us for the big games you know where you play in those big stadiums and you got guys yelling at you especially you know coastal ecu te big teams like that that really value their baseball program and uh i mean it really prepares us for that and then you know keeping it like for us yelling at our pen guy i mean the guy's not taking it personally obviously but uh i mean it it keeps us loose and stuff. I think that's the best thing he's done is keeping us loose and, you know, just keeping us confident. And how does something like that prepare you for a start at Tennessee, at Coastal Carolina with some pretty solid college baseball crowds that you've had to pitch in this year? Yeah, I, when I step onto the mound, I really don't hear much around me. You know, there's a, there's a select few noises that I hear. I, I'll hear my dad in the stands. 
I'll hear my catcher and I'll hear the coaches and a couple of my players. You know, that's, that's usually all that I hear. I, uh, you know, he, he does a good job of teaching us to block stuff out and stuff, but I think uh, that's one thing that I've had for my whole life that I've been able to do is block stuff out, and I think it pays off. And another guy that's been able to block a lot of it out this season, really turn it around, is Hunter Parsons. Mm-hmm. We saw it. I mean, he's almost gotten better every start, it yeah. seems. Co-Big Ten Pitcher of the Week he was named this mm-hmm. week after a complete game two-hit shutout in Sunday's game against Stetson. You know, what have you seen from him? We had him on the podcast earlier, talked about how Moose has helped him as well, but what have you seen from him and his development from last year to this year, and how has that really helped the team as a whole? Yeah, I mean, he's always had really good stuff. I played with him my f- coming into my freshman year uh, for the Redbirds, and uh, that was when I just came out of high school. And uh, he was a like our number one starter for the Redbirds. He uh, he had a great summer, and I'm I'm hype, you know, coming into the season. I'm like, all right, we're we're gonna be really good together. And you know, something I'm not sure what happened last year, but it was just it looked like it was like a roller coaster of events for him. And, for a lot of other people, it's easy to just, you know, throw in the towel there and be like, ah, I don't know what's going on, change to like a sidearm or something. But, uh, you know, he stuck with it. He believed in himself and, you know, Coach Moose worked with him a lot. And, you know, it's it's really good to see his confidence paying off. So now you guys in the weekend rotation at, at the moment have Taylor Bloom in that Friday role. You know, he's just been so consistent over four yep. years at Maryland, just eats up innings. I think he's fifth in the active innings leaders in college baseball right yep. now and then you're going Saturdays Hunter is going Sundays there were a, l- a couple questions after obviously losing Brian Schaefer last year was one of the best pitchers in the Big yeah, Ten on sure. Friday nights with Hunter Parsons also kind of struggling last year coming into this year what the rotation would look like now we get all the way to just before Big Ten play starts and the rotation has come together and how do you guys feel about it you think it could be one of the best ones in the Big Ten there's no doubt in my mind that we could be the best and uh, I think that's that's got to be our whole team's mindset you know, if you have guys that are thinking, you know, I don't know how this year is going to work out. I don't, I don't really see us making a regional. I've heard a lot of talk about that among fans and stuff. But I mean, every every single one of our guys is locked in to go, you know, win the Big Ten, win a regional, win a super, host a regional. And I mean, like I think that's what's special about our group is that we all believe in ourselves, and you know, we're we're not afraid to fail. I think that's the biggest thing that's was good for Hunter. He's not afraid to fail anymore, and. Uh, you could tell last year he was pitching a little bit scared. And this year, when he came in after that Tennessee game, it looked like he was pitching with the utmost confidence in the world. I don't know where it came from, but, I mean, he he's, he did an amazing job of doing it. I mean, he's – you know, kudos to him. He's been doing an awesome job. It's awesome to have him in that Sunday spot. And obviously Moose is helping with the confidence, but how much of this mind – all of the mindset stuff is coming from Rob Vaughn in his first year as a head coach? Yeah, he's he's been doing an exceptional exceptional job, I think. Uh, he's He's been keeping it really loose also. And uh, he's been awesome in the fact that he lead, he lets it be more of a player-led type team and not a coach-fed, not where the coach is just, you know, constantly giving you information and, you know, you're trying to retain it all and, like, coach had to do this, what if I don't do this, what if this coach going to get mad? I think it's more of, like, a player's holding each other accountable. And the coaches are there for, like, you know, tips, support, and stuff. Like, that's the way it should be. We should be playing loose and stuff. And I think, you know, he's done an outstanding job with that, and I think we're all having a lot of fun with it. And then, you know, you're only a sophomore, but really on this pitching staff, besides Bloom and Parsons being, you know, the junior and the senior, you guys have a lot of freshman arms who are kind of being thrown into the mix this season. Some redshirt freshman guys yep. as well, like Elliot Zollner, Mike Vasturia didn't really get the shots last year. So how are you kind of evolving into maybe a leader helping these guys out, even though you're just a sophomore this season? Yeah, I mean, I think if I can go out there and like even with my last year, show them that I can do it at 
that level and even like so early in last year you know i started throughout the whole year and stuff i think they kind of you know they'll look up and they'll be like well he he can do it maybe i can do it and stuff too and you know just give, giving them tips along here along along the way and like believing in like i think that's the biggest thing is giving them confidence me giving them confidence is i think the biggest thing and uh you know if they know like everybody has confidence in them then they're going to go out there it's nothing worse pitching when you think you step onto the mound and you think that guys in your dugout are like, oh, God, he's coming out to the mound. Here we go. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that people believe in you, and I think that's that's a great thing to have. And you guys have the freshman in the bullpen, but you also have a senior out there, Kevin Biondic. He came in for you in the ninth inning on Saturday. I mean, I think he threw nine pitches, got a one, two, three inning. Yep. What was your first reaction hearing, I guess, did you hear over the summer that he was yeah. pitching? And what was your first reaction when you found out that Rob Vaughn and Corey Muscara were going to try it out and put him on the mound? Yeah, I, I was scrolling through Twitter one day in the, in the Cape, and I saw that he came in, and I was like, that's weird. They must have been extremely low on pitching to have Kevin Miotic run out to the mound. Um, but, I mean, watching him this year, I was watching some pens. I was like, uh, okay, there's like, there's like some possibility here that this could happen. And after his first two in, or first inning on the mound, I was like, all right, we got a legit like guy to be our closer. Murph and him are literally our closers now. And, you know, he's given me the utmost confidence that he can go out there. And he's a guy that carries big body language and stuff. Like, he's a guy that he's not going to go down without a fight. And I think that's the biggest thing that our team looks up to for him. And we've asked a lot of the pitchers this just throughout the season on the podcast a little bit too. You know, with a guy transitioning from three years in the field to pitching in his final year – as the pitcher's already on the staff, how much do you help him? Do you just kind of let him do his own thing? How do you kind of approach that? I, I kind of let him do his own thing. You know, he's experienced from playing infield and stuff, and he knows what it's like to be a college baseball player. And I think that's the best thing for him is that he's a transitioned infielder to pitcher and stuff. Or now he's doing both. But uh, I think it keeps his, like, he's not overthinking it too much. You know, his first priority is playing first base, hitting the baseball. And pitching is like a secondary thing for him. And I think that's – that's so good for him because he keeps it keeps him loose. Like he'll walk out, he'll come in for one inning, he's not up, he'll just get loose in the pen, he's playing first base, and then before you know it, he's in and he's like, all right, whatever. And like he just has a mindset that is unbelievable, and I think he's it's good that he's like still playing first base and stuff because he's you know that mindset of I'm trying to think of the word for it. Like he kind of like a carefree mindset, and when he goes out there, it's just here's my stuff, try and hit it. And you guys, on the offensive side, at least it's been a little bit of a struggle. But, you know, lately you guys are picking up the wins. You had the big offensive game against Elon and then got the hits done that you needed this weekend to take two out of three from Stetson. And offensively for this team, it's you've got a couple freshmen playing, Tommy Gardner, Richie Sheikoff, or Randy Bednar getting the at-bats in there. But besides that, it's really veteran-led. So, you know, what's kind of the dynamic there? It's, you know, in the bullpen, it's a lot of young guys. In the lineup, it's a lot of veterans. How does everybody kind of mesh with this team as you guys go into Big Ten play? Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things I came in unsure about this year was are how the pitchers and catch or pitchers and hitters going to get along. You know, when last year was kind of like a divided type thing, like it was like the pitchers versus the hitters, like who's doing the better job. And then with uh, Coach Vaughn that coming in as head coach, like I'm not gonna. It made me kind of like think like how is this going to work out? But I think that's such a great thing that he's done is move the pitchers and hitters together like that like that we're one team and we're not trying to be better than the other and stuff and uh, you know trash talking each other and stuff we're, we're here for each other we're here to pick people up and we're here to win a championship and stuff and I think with our veteran hitters and stuff you know talking to the bullpen guys and I think even with veteran hitters what they know to do as a fret like with freshman pitchers is 
when they're taking at bats against them is to even boost them up with more confidence. You know, like, dude, that was nasty. Like, that was a great sequence that you just did. Like, you're really hiding the ball well and stuff. And I think, you know, guys did that to me last year, and it was there's nothing better than that. Hitters giving you confidence and stuff because they're seeing it firsthand. And have you, you know, guys were helping you last year. I think a freshman who's kind of trying – get into a starting role at some point is Mark DeLuya, who's gotten his chances in the midweek starts. How have you guys kind of helped him? It's been a little bit of a struggle. We've seen the good Mark DeLuya, and we've yep. seen him struggle a little bit. Yeah. How have you guys kind of helped him throughout the season? Yeah, he's he's a very mature guy for his age, I think. He he reminds me a lot of myself last year. Um, you know, he, he's, he's had his struggles early, and then we've seen him really good against VCU. But, I mean, as a freshman going into a really good team against UNC, you know, it's 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 hard to ask a lot of that. And you know, he did what he could. He went six, I think, six, over six innings and, uh, you know, really competed for us and stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing he, he that you can't teach for him. He has the re- really big body language and stuff. When he goes out there, it's not like he's going to give in. And if he's getting hit around, he's like, you know, slumps his shoulders and he's like, all right, whatever, here it is. He could be getting hit around. And he looks like he's on top of the world. He struck out 12. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that you can't teach for him. But as a teaching standpoint, I mean, I think he's – yeah, it's it just reminds me a lot of la- myself of last year. Like, he likes to be on his own, do his work on his own and stuff. And I mean, I think with the confidence that he has, it's it's important to ride on that. And then back to you on the mound a little bit. You that great start against Stetson on Saturday. That followed really maybe your roughest start of your Maryland career yeah. or close to it against ECU. Yeah. I mean, the staff as a whole gave up a lot of runs in that game. How? You know, what was the balance between putting that behind you but also learning from it and learning from mistakes in that start? Yeah, that that kind of that kind of fired me up a little bit after that outing. Uh, I was not happy about that whatsoever. And after starts like that, you know, you have, you're talking to some guys and you, you kind of think in the back of your mind, like, uh, like you think they're going to listen to me after that kind of start that I had and stuff. And it kind of, like, I, I went into that midweek, you know, grinding, you know, really hard. And, uh, you know, I threw one of my longest bullpens and stuff from Moose to get things right. I lifted more than I usually did in the midweek in order to get things right. I ran more than I did to get things right. And, you know, I visualized mentally a lot more than I usually do. And, uh, you know, it ended up paying off in the Stetson game. So now you guys head into Big Ten play after a midweek with Richmond. You guys will host Northwestern this weekend. You guys played saw Northwestern quite a bit last season, three times at home, and then twice in the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. They actually knocked you guys out of the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, it's it's got to be different because just going off a team like Stetson, you know, a team that Maryland itself hasn't played in 15 years. So you obviously didn't know many of these guys, but you go in against a Northwestern lineup where, you know, maybe the three, four main hitters you faced last year in that game against the Wildcats that you pitched. So how's the is, is the approach any different because you know some of these hitters? Uh, I mean, it's – not really. I mean, I'd say it's it's a team that we really can't take lightly. Like, they're not like – when you think of Northwestern, you're like, they have a baseball team. And, <laughs> you know, it's not like a an Indiana who's ranked, who has a lot of big players, or a, uh, a UNC who has a lot of big players, a lot of shiny stars. There, there are some tough guys that will grind out at bats against you, and it's important that, you know, we go in with a mindset that we're playing this team that's, that's very good. Because, I mean, when you think of Northwestern, you don't think of a team that's – you know, going to put up a fight. But they showed us last year for sure that they can put up a fight and that they're not afraid to back down. And then into Big Ten play, you know, Indiana's kind of been the star team in the conference so far this season, ranked near the top ten. And then Illinois snuck into the top 25 last week as well. But it kind of seems like as a whole the Big Ten 
is pretty wide open. So although you guys 12 and 12 as you just about to head into Big Ten play, you guys have had some rough stretches and some very, very good stretches of baseball. How do you think you guys have set yourselves up for the season as Big Ten play starts? I'd say that, uh, you know, we're in a good position right now. I mean, I think with the confidence that we have and the players that, you know, like our young guys are getting, you know, a lot of ABs. And, uh, you know, a lot of our freshmen are starting to throw a lot of innings out of the mound. And I think, you know, we have a lot of confidence. I think we have the most confidence in the Big Ten to go win it. All right. And the final question, you know, you've talked about Moose a little bit with the mindset stuff. You know, Some pitchers have some things they have to do before every start. Is there anything when you wake up on a Saturday that you kind of have to do that to get yourself ready for a start? Uh, I mean, I usually just try to keep it real basic. You know, I, I, I'm a very superstitious guy. But, I mean, I think I just, you know, make my usual eggs in the morning and then I uh, get to the field and just come in with a dominant mindset to compete. All right. Thanks, Tyler, yep. for joining us on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Our thanks to Tyler Blome for joining us here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. And now, Connor, it's time to preview the upcoming week for the Terps. Four games starting on Tuesday against a pretty good Richmond team. Yeah, with the Richmond Spiders, the team obviously the Terps saw last season. What I would like to say is probably the craziest game that the Terps played in 2017. Richmond got out to a huge lead in that game. I believe it was 9-6 to six after two innings in that one. Uh, the Terps had to come all the way back, winning it 12-11 to 11 with four runs in the bottom of the eighth. So these teams have a little bit of history, and uh, it should be a nice little offensive battle again, but you're kind of hoping for some good pitching, as we've talked about from the Terps on Tuesday. So we expect Mark DeLouis to be on the mound for Maryland, and I think you want to see a bounce back from him. And Richmond's a pretty good team. There are a few games over 500 at the moment, but this is the kind of team that you expect DeLouis to pitch well against the way he did against uh, VCU early in the season. Yeah, it's an offense uh, anchored by Vinny Capra, excuse me, for Richmond hitting 341 on the season. He's got 16 RBIs and on-base percentage at 514. He's really the leader of this Richmond offense. But other than that, they've got some guys hitting in the middle of the order who are hitting around 260, 250 in the order. So it's an offense that Deluya should be able to go out there and get some outs against. Now, they did start 2-1 and one in A-10 play, did Richmond. They're 11-3 and three at home this season. They just took 2-3 of three in their weekend series against UMass to start conference play. So a team that has a little bit of confidence after a really tough 2017. They went 17-36 and 36 last year. Didn't even qualify for the A-10 tournament. But a team that's starting to put it together this year. So could be a quality midweek win for the Terps. We expect Lowell Shipper to get the start for Richmond. He has started four games and appeared in five this year. He's a 4.80 ERA and 15 innings pitch. Strikes out a lot of guys, but also walks a lot of guys. So a chance for Maryland to put up some runs. And at length last year, we talked about the midweek pitching struggles for Maryland. But they were still able to win most of the midweek games. This year, uh, the Terps have struggled in the midweek, so this is a big opportunity, and, and if you're Maryland, I think you're really hoping you can win. The, I mean, you're hoping you can win every game, but you really feel like this is a big game to win to get one game over 500 going into the Northwestern series. Yeah, and the Terps haven't been great in some of these chances to just get some nice midweek wins. You know, they had the 6 nothing lead against Delaware, couldn't close. They lost to Delaware the first time at home, really got beat by William & Mary in that first 
midweek games. The Terps kind of need to pull it together, get one of these midweek games. You talked about last year, you know, the way that Richmond game went last year was kind of the way a lot of those midweek games went last year where the Terps just couldn't find the starting pitching in the midweek. They'd get down early and the offense would battle back in a crazy way and come back to win. This year really hasn't been like that for the Terps. They really haven't been able to battle back from some poor starts sometimes in the midweek. So you're hoping for just better pitching. You get a win and then you move on to what could be a big series for the Terps to start Big Ten play this weekend against Northwestern? Yeah, Northwestern comes in 7-11. and 11. They got swept at home by Illinois this week, who's now in the top 25. But it really wasn't a poor series for Northwestern. They lost by one run on Friday, then lost in extra innings on Saturday in a game they should have won, blew a late lead. Lost in extra innings on Sunday in a game they should have won, blew a late lead. Last year, Northwestern was kind of a feel-good story, got the seventh seed in the Big Ten tournament, made it all the way to the tournament championship before falling to Iowa. The Wildcats took two of three in College Park last year, and then the team split two games in the Big Ten tournament. Northwestern eventually eliminated Maryland in the semifinals. So a chance for some redemption for the Terps against Northwestern this year. Yeah, and what a tough series that Northwestern is coming off of, as you talked about, against Illinois. The three very close losses, two of them in extra innings. Their team obviously going to be coming in hungry for some wins. Now, as you said, 7-11 and 11 on the season. They've played a fairly tough schedule, had to play actually four games with Texas this year, had three games with Kansas. So they're starting to come together now as Big Ten play starts. They have a midweek against Chicago State tomorrow and then obviously come to College Park to take on the Terps this weekend. And it's kind of a, a balanced team, not an incredibly great starting rotation, not an incredibly great offense, but when they put it together, they can be dangerous. Northwestern only hits 231 as a team. They lost the likes of Joe Hoshite and Matt Hoffner from last year, two seniors who really led the offense this year. It's the Dunn brothers, freshman David batting 324, and his older brothers batting th uh, 288, excuse me. Not a lot of power on the team, only if they've hit nine home runs this year. Four come from Willie Bourbon, but it's just a really young team, and that's mostly shown in the weekend rotation. Quinn Lavelle pitches on Fridays. He's off to a good start to his, I, I want to say freshmen, but on the Northwestern website, they call them first years, not freshmen. Uh, so I don't know if that's offensive to call people freshmen. It's a very Northwestern thing, it seems. Yeah, so uh, first year Quinn Lavelle pitches on Fridays. He's 2-2 two and two with a 2.84 ERA. The Saturday starter has been Hank Christie. He's 2-2 two and two with a 5-7-2 ERA. We saw him pitch against Maryland last year in College Park. And then on Sundays, they've kind of been mixing things around, but this past Sunday against Illinois, they went with another first year, Jack Pagliarini, who has a 2.49 ERA and 25 and a third innings pitch. He is also a first year. So an inexperienced staff for Northwestern, but the Friday and Sunday guys have been very good this year. Yeah, and Jack Pagliarini, he's probably the most exciting guy on this Northwestern staff because he's a freshman and how good he's been this year. 28 strikeouts to just 11 walks in 25 and a third innings. And if Maryland keeps its rotation the same, Parsons versus Pagliarini could be very good on Sunday. But to the Friday starter, Quinn Lavelle, you know, the ERA has been good at 284, but he's kind of, you know, it seems like he's kind of getting a little bit lucky out there, getting some big outs when he needs them. 16 walks, 15 strikeouts. As a Friday night starter, you do not want to be a guy who's walking more batters than you're striking out out there. So I, you can assume he's going to walk some guys for the Terps. You're hoping the Terps can get some hits to take advantage of that against Quinn Lavelle. But I think I'm really excited about that Sunday matchup between the two starters. Yeah, I mean, everyone I think is excited to see Parsons pitch again, Blome pitch again, and you hope Bloom can give you a good start on Friday night. And look, 
Northwestern, as we said, played well against a good Illinois team. It was freezing out in Evanston this weekend, so that must have played a role in the series. And if Northwestern can take two of those games, or if they even sweep, then they're 500 or a game over 500. So the 7-11 record, maybe not indicative of how good this team actually is, but if you're Maryland, definitely a series you feel like you should win and maybe even sweep, although it's you know always very hard in college baseball to say a team needs to and should sweep a series. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard just hard to get sweeps. I mean things are gonna happen over the course of a three game series in a weekend to take down a team three times in a row. But a team like Northwestern coming in, struggling a little bit, trying to find a couple of bats in that order that can really step up and the way the Terps are pitching right now, you would hope the Terps could take at least two of three from the Wildcats. You start that Big Ten schedule on a high note because after that, for the Terps, after a William & Mary uh, midweek game, you get Illinois, who's in the top 25 right now, and then you have to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, a team that is red hot right now. So it's going to be very important for the Terps to have a good start in Big Ten play against Northwestern. Well, for the first time this year in College Park, we are scheduled to get the actual Friday night game, a 6.30 scheduled start between Maryland and Northwestern, although if the weather is like what it was the last couple weekends. I would think that game might get moved up to 3 or 4 o'clock. We will see. But for now, 6.30 on Friday, 6 o'clock start here on the Maryland Baseball Network with the pregame show. Then, as always, 2 o'clock on Saturday and 1 o'clock on Sunday. And we hope you will join us for all three of those games. Special thanks to Tyler Blome for joining us here on Episode 50 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter for updates at MDBaseballNet. Check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash MDBaseballNet. Look at all our content at our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. And if you like what you've heard on this podcast, subscribe by searching Maryland Baseball Network in the iTunes store. As always, we thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, and we hope you will join us this weekend and on Tuesday when the Terps take on Richmond at 3 o'clock and then on the weekend when they host the Northwestern Wildcats. So for my partner, Connor Newcomb, and our entire MBN staff, I'm Justin Galanti. So long, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>